Hello and welcome to our first Rivercats 9 Lives podcast, where our first guest is Stephen Vogt. And uh, we call him Vodi, we call him Boger, but uh, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great, Dosky, Johnny, all your nicknames too. Um, I think, you know, obviously I'm great. Um, it's an exciting time for me and my family right now. Uh, but one of the things that I, I couldn't wait to get on this podcast with you, Johnny, because my time with the Rivercats was so special. And just the way that you were able to tell the story of all the games to my family and friends that wanted to tune in when, you know, they, they weren't on TV all the time. And uh, you've just, you've brought so many joy and memories to my family. So thank you. Well, thank you kindly. Appreciate it. And we're glad to have you here. And, and you know, first of all, uh, being traded uh, kind of mid to late season uh, to the Braves from the Diamondbacks, Take us through that whole experience, um, going to a, a right, right in the pennant chase, and uh, right there with the Braves. How'd that, how'd that go for you? Yeah, you know, obviously, um, you know, I signed in Arizona, and we we had a couple of disappointing years. You know, we we felt like we had a lot more talent than than the win and loss record showed over the 2020 and 2021 seasons, and um, so I, I loved my time there. It was such a such a wonderful place for my family, for me. Great people in that organization, and a lot of good teammates and coaches that I miss still. Um, However, you know, business of baseball happens. And um, fortunately, I was able to get traded to a contending team because at the end of the day, uh, winning winning is is why you play. You play this game to win a, to win a championship. And um, so to get an opportunity with the Braves to to take to take that division and then to win the first round and then the uh, championship series. And now here we are uh, tied one to one in the World Series. And there, there's nothing more you can ask for. You know, to have your family there uh, at the World Series with you, uh, they're soaking all in, in this whole experience too, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, my kids are 10, almost 7 and 5 now, and um, they're going to remember this. They're gonna, they, this is something that they're going to remember that I've been able to share with them. And obviously, having my wife, Alyssa, with me, um, you know, we, she, we got married right after my very first short season in pro ball. And she grew up with me through the minor leagues. She she moved to all the small towns around the country and found a, a job to help make this dream of mine work. And um, it, it very much has become our our career. And and this is what our family does. And you know, obviously, I wouldn't I wouldn't still be playing or have had any of the success that I've had without her being right there with me and um, being my number one partner throughout this whole thing. So um, it's really special to share this with her. That's awesome to hear. Now, one more on the Braves before we get to the, the story we heard about uh, yesterday, the big story in baseball. Uh, you know, you and Jock Peterson came to this club close to the same time and, and kind of lifted the clubhouse a little bit, kind of with the veteran leadership. First of all, talk about Jock and, and then talk about kind of both your guys' role and kind of lifting up this clubhouse down the stretch. Yeah, I, I mean, um, Jock. Jock is such a special, beautiful person. Um, you know, he, he's the type of player that every, every team needs a Jock Peterson. And that's somebody who wants to win and doesn't care about anything else. And he is fun. He's hilarious. He, um, he, he's just – he's a special kind of energy that he brings to the table. And when Alex Anthopoulos called me when I was first traded to the Braves and he said, hey, I'm, I brought in Jock and I'm bringing in you, we need to change the energy in our clubhouse. And he said that you're part of that. And so 
you know, we have our different styles. Jock is more of the, the out loud kind of funny guy and keeping everything light and doing things like that. And I'm more of the one-on-one -on -one conversations, maybe, you know, doing a little snicky joke in somebody's ear if they're feeling down or, you know, things like that. So we kind of both brought our, our different styles of energy, but we had a conversation after the first game, we were both there and, you know, I kind of shared with him that Alex had told me that. And I just told him, and I think one of the things I, I basically said um, was I, I just want to win jock and I, I'm, I'm, I don't care what feelings are hurt. I don't care what it is, but we need to be us and we need to go show our energy and cause that's what this team needs. Let's be our, we need to be our style and they'll jump on. And these guys are so talented here and they obviously are one of the best teams that I've ever seen. Um, and then they just needed a jolt. They just needed a little spark. You know, they were down, they lost one of the best players on the planet and they needed some new energy and, and Jock brought that right away. And how classy was it for the Braves with Soroka, yourself and Acuna Jr. for you guys to be on the bench? The Braves didn't have to do that. You're on the bench, lifting the team, even though you're hurt. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. You know, they they made it a point to say, hey, whoever wants to travel to this World Series, we're going to bring them with. You guys are all part of why we're here, even though you can't play. Um, it's a big, they're a big part and everybody has earned the right if you're wearing a Braves uniform or you work for the Braves for the, with our support staff you've earned the right to be at a World Series game and you need to come experience this and so I'm very thankful that the Braves are allowing my family and I to travel and for me to be on the bench it's really special another thing too how are you feeling I mean people for people who don't know uh the last game you played for the Braves this season uh you hit the two home runs and then you get hurt kind of take us through that game the the roller coaster ride of emotions uh that that game had for you yeah uh, I mean, it, obviously, you know, I've been struggling, um, you know, hadn't been hitting, the, hadn't been getting results at the plate and, uh, you know, and, and come up for a game and getting down to crunch time, you know, it's September and every game is a must win at that point. And um, yeah, I hit two, hit two home runs, my first two at bats and kind of really had been swinging the bat better the week leading up and kind of was like, all right, here we go. Um, getting to, to find that swing down the crunch time. This is the perfect time to get hot. Let's go. Let's ride this out. And then, you know, you block a ball in the dirt and go to throw it to third and made that play a thousand times. Just felt a huge pop in my hip area and ended up, you know, tearing a couple muscles off the bone, an adductor and an ab muscle and ended up having needing surgery to repair the ab muscle um, back down to the bone. But uh, I'm feeling great. I'm just about, I think about three weeks out of surgery now, um, moving around pretty good. So Hopefully, uh, if all things continue to trend the way they are, hopefully I make a full recovery and be able to take one more shot at playing this thing next year. All right. Well, listen, uh, the big news in baseball, uh, Bob Melvin, guy who you your favorite manager of all time and, and uh, had a chance to get to know him very much in, in 2012. I did. And, and uh, you, I, you know, I expect him to be with the A's for a long time. He's going to the Padres on a three-year deal was reported. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing that? Uh, were you surprised? And uh, what can you say about Bo Mel? Um, well, I got, we don't have enough time for the, for me to say everything about Bo Mel that I'd like to, but uh, I, I was, I was pretty, pretty surprised, not shocked, but surprised. Um, I, I'm not surprised because, or I'm not shocked because Bob, every team should be going after Bob Melvin every year. Every team should be calling the A's every single year saying, can we bring Bob Melvin into an interview? Every single year, every single day, um, they should be knocking the door down to try and get him to run, to run their organization. And, you know, 
he is by far my favorite manager. I love watching him manage. I love watching the way that he interacts with all the players. He allows you to be you. He encourages you to go be you uh, as long as you play hard. That's all he asks. Do your job and play hard. And you can do that however you want to do it. And, you know, Oakland is not the easiest place to play. It really isn't. Um, there's a lot of things that that make it tough. And he allows you and makes you appreciate where you are and makes you own, hey, this is us. Look at these fans that are here every night. Yeah, the, the, the numbers might be down compared to other places, but the fans that are here, they're diehard and they love you guys and go out and play for them. And he has a way of motivating without being this motivational speaker. He has this way of, of pushing you without coming right out and saying it. It's just a matter of one little comment here, one little comment there, and he makes you think. It's never a this is the way it happens. It's there's this, and now go think about it and elevate your game to that level because you have the ability to do that. Well, I know your time in Oakland was so special that we believe in Stephen Vogt, came into your own, came from the Rays. And uh, just take us through those first couple of years with the A's. And of course, I got to know you with the River Cats, but uh, that experience with Oakland and of course, getting the, getting the hit in the, the big hit, the walk off in the, in the playoffs, uh, catching Sonny Gray that day. Take us through that, that, that whole experience with Oakland. Oh, man, I, you know, I, I, I really with Tampa coming up, I, I wasn't supposed to be a big leaguer, you know, and I just kept pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. And I got an opportunity to be a big leaguer with Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and then that next year, you know, they they made a, made a decision to let me go, and the A's were right there and swooped me up. And when I got swooped up by the A's, when they came and got me, and they said, hey, you're going to get an opportunity to catch. We know you can hit. We're going to see if you can catch. And so I did. I got a chance to catch every day for the Rivercats in 2013 for the first three months of the season. Um, and that's where I took off. So I will always remember Sacramento and the River Cats is one of the most special places that I played because that was where I became who I am. That was where I discovered the baseball player because I hadn't caught much in, the, in pro ball. I'd caught a lot, you know, my whole life, but the Rays didn't see me as a catcher. They saw me more as a utility player and um, which I'm thankful for because it helped me stay in the game longer and, and get more playing time. But I became who I am. I became the, the catcher that I am in Sacramento. So I'll always be thankful for that. You know, getting an opportunity to play in 2013 playoffs, 2014, that when we were the best team in baseball, getting to play every day for that team. Um, that, that Those two years were probably two of my favorite years I've ever had because it was where I was coming on the scene. I was emerging and we were so good. And the Coliseum was rocking. And A's fans all across Northern California were just, just so excited. And it was such a great time. And you know, that, that was kind of, for me, the 2013 playoffs when Bob, when Bob allowed, you know, penciled me in to start all five games um, to the, have the trust, you know, coming from a place where they didn't trust me to catch. And then I walked through the doors of the Coliseum and Bob Melvin didn't even mention the fact that he didn't, he didn't say anything like, Oh, well, let's work on your defense or Oh, no, it was just like, Hey, you're here. You should be. Thank you. And he put, put me in the lineup, all five playoff games. And, um, I'll never, ever forget that feeling of having the trust of your manager in that way. And that's something I'll always cherish. You know, when the book is, uh, everybody thinks about the story of, of their lives, but a lot of people, maybe people don't know the fact that you went from literally a backup player in A-ball to an AL All-Star in, in a short time. Uh, 
there were times I'm sure where you felt like, you know, is this going to happen for me? Uh, you know, talk with your wife, should I retire? What should I, I mean, all those thoughts that go on in your head, you know, did you ever think, you know, this, uh, I'm going to give up on this and, and try something else? Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. One, one of the biggest things, I mean, as you know, too, Dosky is like this game, this game, when you get stalled somewhere where you aren't getting an opportunity to further yourself, it makes you question your ability. It makes you question, can I do this? Maybe I'm just not that good. Maybe I'm just, a, you know, I was a very good player, but I wasn't good enough. Or, you know, you, you tend to really get down these dark negative holes because a the game of baseball is hard and it's a lot of negativity and when you're sitting in a ball and you're 25 and you're the third catcher and you're not playing you're wondering what am I doing here I should probably just go start this other career I should probably just go start if I want to coach college or if I you know I think that was kind of my number one you know method that I want to do is go coach college after that and you know, am I, am I beating a dead horse? And am, am I, am I hanging on where I shouldn't? Is it time for me to, to move on? And that's where Alyssa came in and encouraged me and said, Hey, one more shot, give it one more shot. Um, and it took me, you know, kind of forcing the, forcing the raisin to let me play and, you know, go from there. But, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that that year in 2015, when I did get it, when I was fortunate enough to be selected as an all-star, you know, I got a call in the off season in December of 14 and they said, Hey, how you feeling? I said, great. And they're like, can you catch 120 games? I said, of course I can. And the next quite the next line was, well, you're going to be our everyday catcher next year. And I can't tell you, it was 30, 30 years old. And that was the first time in my life, a coach or whoever organization told me you're our guy. That's fantastic. And I've never, I've never heard that from anyone before, you know, like obviously um, I've had coaches that I knew I was going to play, but they pushed me. They would never allow me to know like, Hey, you're going to be the guy, even though I knew I was going to play and I was going to fight and there was no one that was going to take my spot from me. I had never been told, Hey, it's yours until then. And then I go out and I have the best season of my life. And I, and for, for a baseball player, for people, all you can ever ask for, no matter what you do for a living, is that your boss believes in you. That, that's it. Right. And I think for me, like as, as somebody who wants to do that, who wants to be in a, a leadership role, and I think about Bob Melvin, and he believed in every single one of us every single day. And you knew it. There was no question in your mind of where of if Bob Melvin trusted you or not. And that's all you can ask for from your boss. And that's when you're going to see people succeed is when their their leader their person in charge shows that they have trust and they believe in you that's phenomenal you know let's go back a little bit further let's go back to the fact that you talk about azusa pacific for you to even get to azusa pacific uh, you know that that was obviously you make your luck right but there was some luck involved there and uh talk about that experience going from high school to azusa pacific the great coach you had paul sabagnus did i get it right yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he was he was so influential in your career. And really, you said you wouldn't be where you are today if not for him. Talk about him and talk about uh just the experience of of getting to Azusa Pacific and how fortunate you were to get to that school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I came from a small school in Visalia, California. And um, you know, there's four high schools there, and I went to the fifth one that has 200 kids. And my dad, Randy Vote, is the coach. So anytime you fill out any kind of questionnaire. 
And it's like, oh, he's a coach's kid. No, no, no one's going to give him the time of day, right? And that was before, that was before internet was real big, and you could put the oh, wow, been playing for a little while, um, you know, been put, you know, you can't just put your video out on the internet for everyone to see. But um, I'm just so fortunate that, uh, you know, Jeff Ishii, who's now a scout with the Cardinals, who, you know, I know he watches he's at River Cats games all the time, doing advanced exactly. scouting for for the Cardinals, and he was the assistant coach there at the time, and he watched. Um, this baseball factory video that had like 150 guys on it hitting. And I was guy like 123, you know, the V the Vosier at the end, you know? And so I'm, I get a call coach Fagdis calls my house at midnight and my dad answers the phone at midnight and they offered me a scholarship the next morning. You know, I had a break in between classes and I called him real quick and he offered me a scholarship right there sight unseen. And they came and watched me play and then they upped the scholarship after watching me play. And um, one of those things that I got to, I got to Azusa, they gave me this scholarship and I knew I was a good player, but I'm standing around and I'm a boy and I walk onto the campus and I'm like, there are men out here. There's 22, 23 year old men on this field. Like I'm getting cut. I called my dad and I'm like, I'm getting cut dad. Like, and he's like, can't hang here. Yeah. Yeah. I can't hang here. There's, these guys are like grown men. I'm just this little boy. And he's like, look, you, you're there for a reason. You know, coach, coach wants you there. If he didn't want you there, he wouldn't have given you scholarship money, but you have to earn it. You're not going to be given an opportunity. You got to go beat those guys out. And uh, so, you know, I'm so fortunate for my dad, you know, and he's here with me for the world series too, which is really special. And um, you know, he was my coach growing up and he pushed me. And even from then it was, it was never, you deserve anything. I, I never heard the words you deserve. Um, and I was a really good player growing up, obviously. And it was always team first, team first, team first. And I, I am who I am because of the way my dad raised me and the, the man he raised me to be. And um, and then I got to Azusa Pacific and Paul, Paul Svagas, who's still one of my better friends now and mentors, he pushed me harder than anybody else on that field. And I didn't understand why. I had no clue why. And obviously now I look back and we've had many conversations as he was changing the culture of the program and he saw the leader that I am and can be. And he held me to a higher standard than any player he's ever had. And he's apologized numerous times for the way that he, you know, would get on me more than anybody else. Or he would hold I'd be like, that guy, that guy to my right just did that mistake four times in a row. And you didn't say anything. I did it once. And now I'm, I'm running. And, and I didn't realize at the time he was grooming me for the culture that he wanted to set. And he's like, and he told me that he said, I don't care. I don't care about some of these other guys. They're not going to be here when we're, when we're ready to win. You are, right. we got to get every, everybody on board so that when we're ready to win and sure enough, you know, um, I didn't get drafted as a junior, fortunately. And I say fortunately for a lot of reasons, we don't have time to go into all of them, but I got to experience the world series and see the work of the four years that coach put in with us and the work that I put in to create a culture and a chemistry with, my, my teammates, you know, obviously I didn't do it alone, but um, he, he really pushed me and, and taught me to be a leader. And um, one of the things that he did too, real quick, um, I was a, I was a career 420 hitter going into my senior year. Um, my average was, but I, I hadn't hit for much power and going into my senior year, he said, Hey, do you want to get drafted? And I said, yeah, of course. He goes, then you got to learn how to hit. I said, what are you talking about? Um, and so he took a 420 hitter and made me do this big adjustment where I went two for 76 in our fall ball, um, got two hits and 76 at bats. And I've never hit below 400 in my life at that point. And 
he's like, you got to trust me. And I did. And I bought in and I was pissed. You know, <laughs> it was a lot of open pores, right? There. It wasn't easy. I, I'm, I'm facing freshmen that have no business pitching, you know, and I am popping up and, you know, just, but then, you know, a week before our first game, my senior year goes, Hey, all right, go back to your old way. And I go, what? So long story short, he was making me do this huge adjustment to make a tiny adjustment in my swing that I needed to make if I wanted to keep playing baseball. Wow. And I, and I learned how to hit the ball. I learned how to hit for power. I learned how to, without him telling me why we were doing this. And, but that right there to me, like there's so many coaches out there that only care about their wins and losses. Right. And coach Sagdis, he cares about wins and losses. Of course he does, but he cares about making us better people first, making us treat the people on campus. Right. And then if you're a pro guy, he's going to make you a pro guy. I mean, he brought in a catching coach specifically for me to help me get better behind the plate. He taught me how to hit. He changed my swing when there was no, there was risk there. There was risk there in changing your, your three hitters swing because, you know, I'll go from a 420 hitter and then I ended up having the best year of my career to that point. And still, I mean, numbers wise, but I'm thankful for him and, he's become and he's so much more than that too it's not just about baseball with him it's we we talk about life advice and, and things like that no doubt i know that was a huge honor for you and Devin. and i went down for you to be inducted into the Sioux specific uh hall of fame i that, that must have I, I know just watching you and your speech was incredible but uh, watching you and and the people you thanked and uh you were really uh humbled by the whole the whole night and it was it how what was that experience like for you that was so cool. Um, obviously, it was it was special to have you with Deb there. Um, it still means a lot. You two came down to to be there for it. Uh, um, but you know, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame at, at Azusa Pacific was, was was such a cool honor. And more importantly, it gave me an opportunity, gave me a stage in front of some of the higher ups at that university for them to understand who their baseball coach is. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think a lot of times you can be thankful for, for a leader on your campus or you can be thankful for a leader in your business. But until somebody who has truly experienced that person, you, you don't really understand who they are. And so it gave me an opportunity in front of a lot of people at, that, at the university and, and just a lot of people in general to understand who that man, who, who that man is. And so I wanted, yes, that's, yes, the Hall of Fame induction was about me and my family. It was but it was just as much about Paul Sagdis and the baseball program and what the, that baseball program means to the university now and what he has done on that campus for people like me and, and, uh, and other, and other people as well. So it was a, it was a really, really special weekend. That's for sure. Yeah, that was really cool. Now, every, I know you don't go a week. You sometimes don't go a day without people asking you uh, about being a manager in the future in the major leagues. I know you get asked that a lot. Um, I know it's, uh, you, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen uh, in two weeks, let alone what's going to happen next year, let alone what's going to happen in two years, right? So it's hard to kind of wrap your, wrap your whole mind around it, but wrap your arms around it, if you will. But what, what is, uh, is that in you from, from an early age, as far as having those leadership qualities? Uh, and I know your goal someday, I think your dream someday is to manage a big league team. Uh, what are, what are those thoughts like, and where have those thoughts been like early on in your career? Um, it's always been in the back of my mind, right? Um, you know, you go back to the, the a ball stuff where it's, I'm the third, third catcher. And I'm like, man, I could do this. I could coach, I could help guys. Um, you know, I've had injuries where I'm not able to play and instead of sulking and pouting, um, 
and worrying about how sorry I feel for myself. I always wanted to look for areas to make people around me better. And I think it's, that's one of my gifts, honestly. One of my gifts is to be able to read people and to be able to see when people are down and to, to find the words quickly um, or to find the gesture quickly. It may, it may just be like a little, um, you know, a little like pat on the shoulder, or a little like quick little back rub, you know, just, just be like, how, when was the last time you got a massage? You know, when was the last time, you know, stuff like that. And uh, just to break the ice. And I think that's one of the gifts that I have is to be able to read people and, and to find the words. And so, um, and I've been fortunate to, to be around such great baseball minds my whole life. I mean, my dad was a great, great baseball coach uh, for a long time in Visalia and my obviously Paul Sfagdis and then every manager I had coming up in the minor leagues and, you know, even getting to play for Steve Carsoni, you know, and, and Dave Brundage did. The, those are two great managers that people in Sacramento got to watch manage. And then not to mention the, the six great managers I've been fortunate to play for now in the major leagues. And they all have different styles that I've gotten to watch and see and learn from and kind of help me one day mold my managerial style, hopefully. Um, and then with whatever experience I get along the way between my playing career and, and coaching career, whatever that transition is going to look like, I have no idea, but um, it's definitely something as we sit here today that I would love to do. Um, you know, obviously that could change and kids are getting older and their activities are starting to speed up and, and things like that. And so there's going to be, obviously it's going to be a long, a lot of conversations, but it's for sure something that I would like to do where we sit today. And um, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more thankful for the experiences that I've gotten in this game and the people that I've met and interacted with and, most importantly, the people I've listened to, um, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that uh, if you want to learn it, just, you know, be, be quiet and listen, you might learn something. And uh, I, that's something I'm getting better at as I get older is uh, what, um, man, what is it? Oh, listening, listening to learn rather than listening to respond. And that's that. something that's, uh, that's something that um, I try to be very intentional with as much as I can. Well put. Now, before we let you go, I want to talk about, and, and something that I think is absolutely underrated and not talked about enough is ball players' wives and what they do for them. Uh, you know, she has been, Alyssa has been your rock in so many ways, but the way she just, uh, she's able to move, move so quickly, uh, handle the kids, handle everything. I think a lot of times people don't think about the fact that uh, you know, your better half, she is doing so much behind the scenes to, to make it easier for you and your transitions. Can you talk about Alyssa and uh, what she, what, I mean, I know you don't have enough time to, we don't have enough time to, for this program to talk about everything she's done for you, but uh, specifically about just uh, being the rock of the family, yeah. moving, moving the kids and moving the family. Um, yeah. I mean, I go back to before we had kids and, you know, we were in Columbus, Georgia, and she was working a, she was working a, a job, basically, you know, a daycare and, and we're, you know, she's making like, what was it? Eight bucks an hour and, and just, and making more money than I was. And just, um, you know, she was willing to do that. She was willing to do that because it was what our family needed at the time. We needed her, to make some money so that we could live and so that I could pursue this. And I, I wanted to quit. I was, I was struggling. I was down and I wanted to quit. And she, she kind of put me back in the right place. And she's just like, look, you're the only person that doesn't believe in yourself right now. You're the only person. Wow. And 
she's like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have come out here. I would have, I would have fought and clawed and scratched for us to just stay closer to home. But I believe that you're going to do this. I believe that this is what, this is what we're meant to be doing is, is you pursuing this baseball thing. And that was the first of many times where I wanted to walk away or I wanted to complain about how hard it was. And she would just put me right back in the right spot. And she always knows the words every night. Um, still to this very moment, I talk out every game with her. I talk out every questionable. She watches every single pitch and she knows more about the game of baseball than half the people I play with, I think, because she watches and she's an athlete. She's a basketball coach. She, you know, I, I go back, Johnny, from, from 2014 to 2017, we went from one to three kids while she was coaching varsity basketball in the offseason and I was playing in the major leagues for the A's. And that was the busiest I've ever seen a family. Um, and just, she rocked it. She rocked it. She was present. She was able to be mom. She was able to be wife and she was able to be coach. And I can't even multitask. If somebody got my attention from my right, right now, I wouldn't, I would lose complete tra track of thought. And she's able to juggle all these different things. But um, more importantly than, than all of that, she is my best friend. She, is my number one person that I lean on unfairly the most. Um, and on top of that, she is raising our three kids alone for eight months every year. You know, yes, I'm present when I'm home and I, I, I help out. I, I, I do everything I possibly can during the season. But the reality is, is that I'm gone from noon to 11 o'clock at night. And she keeps the kids up till 11 o'clock at the games so that I can see them and tuck them in at night. And then, Hopefully they sleep in a little bit and she lets me sleep in in the morning so that I have enough rest for the game the next day. And she, I, I, I can go on and on. She travels alone with all three of them so that we can be together on road trips. And she's willing to stay with all four of her, all four of her kids at times in the, in the hotel room. Cause I'm just as needy as the kids are at times. And she owns it like a champion. We've moved over 60 something times in our at times that we've been, you know, in baseball and, she, you know, even this one with the Braves, that was a huge move for us. And she did it in a day and a half. I left the next morning and a day and a half later, she was flying out with the kids and she goes, oh yeah, house was all packed up. We got one car headed to Washington, one car headed here to Atlanta. And yeah, we just, we just did it. And, um, you know, so she's, she's a, she's a remarkable person. She runs our life. She, she makes sure that all the bills are getting paid. I mean, she, she just does everything. Um, and she, is just an amazing woman she's my best friend i go on and on um, but that's that's just it is the 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 wives or husbands you know of, of the of the baseball world are such selfless people and um, they don't get enough credit or enough hoopla they don't get it they don't they're not celebrated enough because I always say to Alyssa, I'm like, you're the brains behind this operation. I'm just the, you know, the pretty face that gets to go out and do it. She doesn't really appreciate that one, but I, I always like to drop that on her because it's what I do. But you are so far over your skis. Let's be honest. About oh my gosh. Ross Bro. signals, right? Yeah. Oh man. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, listen, great to catch up with you. And uh, we always appreciate, uh, Appreciate the time and uh, whatever the future holds is, I mean, obviously uh, hopefully we get, get to play more and more next year in MLB, but if, whatever your decision is, whatever you decide to do uh, uh, is pretty exciting for the future. And I know you've been, you've been so good with the river cats and really appreciate 
taking the time here and enjoying our first ever uh, River Cats uh, podcast. So thanks a lot for being our guest here. Of course, like I, like I said, I can't reiterate enough how much you and the River Cats organization mean to our family. Uh, we talk about Sacramento all the time. We loved our time there. Um, you know, we, we loved where we lived and got to go back and relive it. You know, we were there in 14, got to go back and relive it in 19 and got to take pictures of our daughter in, in the same places where we took them when she was a baby. And then yeah. now she's growing up. It just, it'll always, always be a special place. So I was more than happy to do this. And, you know, Dosky, anytime you want to catch up, you know, we will. So. Okay. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the visit, man. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Rivercats Nine Lives podcast hosted by Johnny Dosco. Please like, subscribe, and share with all your baseball-loving friends. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook.